0: Sleep. Based on your downloads of the various sleep experts we've had on this podcast, it is a topic about which we are all looking for answers. And frankly, I'm right there with you. There's a good reason for that based on the way it influences all other aspects of life. In fact, our published research on mental toughness even showed sleep played an important role there too. Today, you'll get to add to your sleep toolbox with one of the best in the business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper, and today's episode features Dr. Meeta Singh. She is a sleep physician who works with the world's greatest athletes from the NFL, to NBA, NHL, to Major League Baseball. In fact, she showed me her World Series ring, and it's, it's pretty cool. Today, she'll not only be sharing steps we can take to improve our sleep, but also how that sleep enhances our immunity. If you're an organization looking to integrate best-in-class health and wellness coaching into your current wellness strategy without having to start over, you'll want to take a look at uscorporatewellness.com, the organization known for providing best-in-class coaching since 2007. Whether you're an employer looking to provide meaningful support and growth for your team, an EAP looking to add coaching to your offerings, or a benefit consultant seeking to optimize your client's outcomes, the data shows personalized Incredible coaching is likely the answer you've been seeking. The website is uscorporatewellness.com or email anytime results at uscorporatewellness.com. Now, let's talk sleep, immunity, and what we can be doing to optimize our current reality in the midst of all that's happening around us right now with Dr. Mita Singh. Dr. Singh, it is such a privilege to bring you back onto the podcast at Critical Time. want to talk through this concept of immunity and sleep and the connection and, and what people can be doing on a practical level. So first of all, thanks for coming back.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Let's start with a brief explanation of sleep and the circadian system, just as some background for our audience to set the tone for today.
1: Okay, well, so sleep is a normal reversible behavioral state in which there is perceptual, there's disengagement from the environment and unresponsiveness to the environment. And, and Brad, think of it. We spend a third of our life sleeping and and, and if, yes. And and if sleep wasn't really serving an essential function, that's a colossal waste of time (laughs) and a major mistake from the evolutionary point of view, especially when you think about how vulnerable we are to predators and other threats in the environment, lying with our eyes shut. So, at its most basic level, because sleep forces both the mind and the body to be inactive, rest and restoration can occur. Now, now in you know the circadian rhythms are an intrinsic timekeeping clocks that we have that regulate almost all physiological functions on a daily basis. And for us human beings, the master circadian clock, or your biological clock, is located in your brain, and it's synchronized to the local environment by exposure to light and dark. Okay. So, 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 in addition, like I just said, in addition to that master circadian clock, we also have local clocks in almost every cell in our body. Which hmm. so, so 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 physiological functions are under local control. And they're controlled by the master clock. And the master clock is like a master conductor. It's coordinating the timing and the function of all these clocks and therefore all the functions of this body. So, so one thing, you know, so this, because our, we have a clock and because we have certain timings that we have to be awake and interacting with our external environment, while and, and at certain timings we should be asleep and we should be avoiding the external world, this is actually coordinated. And so this is actually, you know, it's part of the survival strategy that ensures that we will engage as well as disengage from environments at appropriate times. And of course, you know, in our 24-7 society, human beings, we're the only animals that routinely ignore this, because we often sleep when our biological clock is telling us to be awake and right and and hopefully hopefully just in the last few days when people have started working from home that has changed so maybe people are sleeping more in alignment to their circadian clocks and and to their chronotypes so so let me just define chronotype is you know intuitively it's it's easy to understand it's whether you're a morning lark mm-hmm. or a night owl sure. and it's you know it's just your individual uh, it's a it's genetically predispos- uh, predetermined predisposition that modifies whether you prefer to be more active in the morning or more active in the evening.
0: Coming back into this idea of immunity and the connection here, can you set a baseline for us there? What, what would be a, a non-technical explanation of our, our immune system?
1: Okay, so this is how I would explain it. You know, your skin and your mucosal surfaces... They act like a physical barrier, and you have some pe- peptides attached to them that'll prevent any infection from entering your body. and that is your first line of defense. okay but, but once any pathogen, you know a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, a parasite, enters your body, then there's an army of immune cells that gets recruited into action and and the actions are of two kinds. first, it's called innate immune cells. So these will fight any kind of infection. So they, you know, as soon as you have a pathogen, they go, they try to fight the pathogen and they have, you know, cool functions, like they can eat the pathogen or they can release a poison that will kill them. And and the second kind of immunity is that if if the pathogen escapes this first line of innate immunity, then the second line is called adaptive immunity that gets recruited. And that, that has a more focused effect. So, this takes a few days. And one of the things that happens is that the immune cells now learn about the pathogen. They learn how to mount a focus response. And this immune memory is then stored to be used in future times. So, So, if you get infected, if you ever get infected again, those smart immune cells know exactly what to do. So, they will you know, jump and, and, well, I mean, metaphorically jump to do that exact, you know, to protect you. And and that is how, say, for example, vaccines work. So in, in a very controlled fashion, we introduce a pathogen and then your adaptive immune cells learn what to do So you so that if you get exposed to the same pathogen, immune cells then use that stored knowledge and they kill or inactivate the pathogen.
0: Talk me through the idea of, I got a flu shot this year, and then next year I'll need to get another one. I know the the strain changes slightly, but if the body already recognizes it, can you walk us through, again, in basic sense, why that's necessary on an annual basis versus, okay, you've got it, now your body will recognize it and fight that off going forward?
1: Right, right. So, so you know, the the easiest way for us to understand this is to understand... You, the answers in the you know is in the question itself it's because the flu virus has different strains and so every year they're trying to come up with a vaccine that has the most recent strain so that they can protect as many people as possible in contrast say for example the measles vaccine right so that we know that pathogen doesn't change There's so if you've been vaccine back- Right, right. So if you've been va- vaccinated as a child, then you you really are protected for the rest of your life. Um, you know, similarly, uh, you know, the chicken pox or right. um, you know, the t- you know, and, and of course, some of sometimes you have to give booster shots so that sure. your immunity, uh, you know, so that you're you're strengthening and adding to that immunity.
0: Okay. All right. Let's jump into the, the practical stuff. So you, you've you given us a good baseline on what's happening kind of behind the scenes, if you will, inside our bodies. Now for the person sitting out there going, I want to I want to enhance my immunity as much as I possibly can. We're going to jump into sleep, but in addition to sleep, what would be some other things that would play a, a big role in, in our body's immunity?
1: So it's funny because when you, you know, we were just having this conversation with the immunologist who works on our floor, um, allergist and immunology specialist. And so, so first, so to clarify your innate immunity cannot be boosted and you, you wouldn't want it to be. So, because if you, if your innate responses were stimulated, then you'd constantly feel unwell. You'd have a runny nose, fever, lethargy, depression. So the, the, the 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 efficiency of adaptive immunity is of course harnessed by the vaccine, and while so, so in 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 response to your question, while there are many products that claim to boost immunity, that concept doesn't make sense scientifically because you never want to boost cells of just one kind because that's not necessarily a good thing and it can actually result with. You can have serious side effects. Mm. So the so, so the best thing you can actually do to maintain your immune system is to adopt a healthy living strategies that'll benefit the entire body, including your immune system. So, you know, each eat a healthy diet rich in fruits and vegetables, exercise regularly, maintain a healthy weight, quitting smoking, drinking alcohol only in moderation. And, you know, in uh, reducing stress and and maybe in today's world, avoiding infection through regular hand washing and getting enough sleep, you know, so there's.
0: Back to the basics.
1: Yes, it is back to the (laughs) basics.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, specific to sleep, why is sleep one of, and I would probably say from my knowledge, the most important piece of the puzzle when it comes to that broader immunity?
1: Well, so this is where there has been ample research so so it turns out that you know again, thinking about what the basic function of sleep is, it is to uh, restore a physiological function, right so it, mm-hmm. it, you really need sleep to restore your immunity. so uh, firstly if you if you get less sleep, it reduces the number of WBCs, lymphocytes, monocytes, mm-hmm. T cells, B cells, natural killer cells, you know, neutrophil, basophils—all those—that army of immune cells that we need to attack pathogens. So, uh, there's a study that shows that just a one night of partial sleep deprivation, the efficacy, the um, you know, efficacy of natural killer cells, which, by the way, I love that name—you uh, <laughs> know—declines by to about 75% of its full strength. So in short, wow. So if you, if you skimp on your sleep, you increase the chances of catching an infection. So there are studies again, that show that sleeping less than six hours increases the risk of respiratory infections in military recruits and the general population. And then there was another study and this I thought was really interesting. So, uh, so that what they did is that they, there's an experimental channel challenge to the common cold rhinovirus, mm-hmm. And after that uh, their sleep was manipulated. So if you were sleeping less than six hours, the likelihood of developing a cold after being exposed to the, the virus increased four to five times.
0: I saw that. But, that was amazing study. <laughs> wow. Right,
1: right. So another way sleep supports your immune system, of course, is by, uh, you know, it, it supports the immune system's memory consolidation function. Mm. And that's how it helps the adaptive immune system. So, so think, you know, we know that sleep is essential for memory, right? So memory processes in the brain are divided into three phases. During the day, while you're awake, information is taken in or encoded. During your sleep, this information is then transferred from the initial labile sites to the long-term storage sites. And this process is called consolidation. And then, of course, um, while you're awake again, you recall this remembered information. So very similar to this, Brad, during the encoding phase, the immune system takes in information about the pathogen. And while you're asleep, especially during slow-wave sleep, this information is consolidated and then transferred to other immune cells and when we get exposed to the pathogen again again you know this the immune cells retrieve the stored information and charge into action and so again there's there's research that supports this you know um, so that uh, you know there was a, there was a study that showed that sleeping less than 7 hours per night in the 7 days surrounding hep b vaccine decreased the antibody response and then um, there's another one that looks at healthy adults who got sleep the night after being vaccinated against Hep A. Uh, so, so if you got enough sleep, there was a two-fold greater antibody uh, concentration, which is you know what, which is what you want to develop one month later sub, uh, compared to subjects who were uh, who were kept awake the night after getting the injection.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's so fascinating. I, I saw both those studies and mm-hmm. the the level. Of differential from enough sleep to not enough sleep was so significant with that being the only variable that, wow, big time, big time. All right. So while we're recording this, we're in the midst of this whole COVID-19 virus, what role does sleep play in that whole equation? How can individuals who are hearing this utilize sleep as an extra line of defense right now with with everything that's being talked about?
1: Well, I think I think the take home message really for everyone should be to think about sleep as being your best defense. Right. So so eventually, of course, we're hoping that a vaccine comes around and you want to be. And and, and from what we just discussed, you want to be well rested, you know, leading up to the vaccine and then well rested once we once the vaccine um, so that it can do what it needs to do. But you want to try and get enough sleep because we know that, you know, it first of all protects you from getting an infection and then helps you fight an infection better.
0: Okay. So once the infection happens, let's flip this around the other way. What happens to our sleep once we get that infection? Is there any interplay there?
1: Well, so again, very good question. There is no doubt that you will become sleepier once you have an infection. So this, you know, it's just an old saying that a good night's sleep is the best medicine for an infection. And this, so, so this relationship, obviously, between the immune system and sleep is, you know, it's bi-directional and, and more complex. So if you have an acute infection, typically we'll see enhanced intensified sleep, and this is considered beneficial. So go for it and get, you know, get sleep and get well rested and recover.
0: All right. So the the virus itself isn't clearly isn't the only downside we're facing right now. This the whole social distancing, the uncertainty, the all the things that are going through people's head. We've got increased depression, anxiety, other mental health concerns. Walk us through the role sleep plays in those because th- it plays a pretty significant role, from my understanding. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, firstly, you know. I- it it does feel like free fall, doesn't it? You know, it does. Especially the the current times. Whatever we once held as solid is no longer something we can rely on. And yeah. I, and, and as as a doctor, I, you know, I have watched the progress of the COVID nineteen pandemic with a you know altering measures of fear, frustration, fascination, right. dread, horror. You know, and 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 we. So first of all, we, need, we, we do need to recognize that mixed in with all these feelings of we're having of anger and disappointing, disappointment, powerlessness, yes. blame uh, is grief, right? Sadness of losing our way of life. Yeah. And, and so, so while on one hand, hand, we have just spent a few minutes talking and telling people to sleep well. You know, people they may have ample time to sleep, and now they may actually be able to sleep aligned to their biological clocks. But fear and anxiety may actually keep people awake. So, so people may have difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep. They may feel unrefreshed. They may have difficulty turning their minds off, and obsessing about all things coronavirus. And uh, Brad, you know, I was just before we started, I was I was reading. In the news that liquor sales have increased, so oh, using using alcohol to help you sleep is always a slippery slope yeah. and not to be recommended.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but but you know, people who have preexisting mental health issues, depression, anxiety, they have to they will need more support because sleep, you know, may deteriorate further, and and nothing like it's nothing like lying lying awake to make our problem seem worse, right? Terrible time to try and filter out negative thoughts while you're sleeping. Plus, uh, you know, all the more reason to pay attention or try to protect your sleep. Because if you're going, if you sleep poorly at night, that means you'll be more sleepy or tired the next day. And then, and as a result, you're less engaged in you know pleasurable activities or yeah, social everything. relationships right, right. And less likely uh, like do things like exercise all of which are coping skills right now you know things that we want to do during the day
0: yeah immense uh,
1: but 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 you know a uh, short answer to your question is this you know sleep and mental health are very closely intertwined in, in fact you can't speak about mental health without giving sleep health a seat at that table, you know, insomnia well poor sleep. Yeah. Poor sleep can often become, uh, it, it can, number one, it can predispose you to developing, uh, you know, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it can make it. And then, uh, you know, if you're having really, if you're trying all the common sense things, then maybe we can discuss the common sense things that we can try to get enough sleep. After this, but after you've done that, if you still continue to have issues, then, you know, reach out to your primary care doctor. Um, There is something um, there is something called a single shot CBTI. So single shot, one hour long cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia that is meant for acute insomnia. Especially acute insomnia that occurs in very stressful situations, and this is something that trained um, uh, clinical, yes yes can 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 do and this would be very, very useful because we know insomnia can make you know can worsen so many other things and make you more angry, more depressed uh, more anxious and and if you can treat this acute insomnia right now that a result uh, the less people will progress to chronic insomnia and, and and it'll also lessen um the the amount of money that we, we one would you know healthcare dollars spend right. on um on treating the chronic uh, illnesses that might develop
0: you mentioned alcohol let's let's pop onto that one since it came up with the conversation we know the mm-hmm. sales are going up we know people are leaning on that uh my very limited understanding is first glass, probably not a big deal one way or the other second glass is where you start to see a decrease in depth of sleep. Can you mm-hmm. expand upon that? Correct me, walk us down that path of what people need to know if they are grabbing that extra glass of wine or, or whatever it might be.
1: Well, so uh, number one is I would say that, that, this would be a time to for sure uh, follow the, um, you know, the recommendations that uh, medical societies make about how much alcohol you should be drinking. So I think it's better one or two glasses for men and maybe one glass for women. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, alcohol does help some people to relax and it does make it easier to fall asleep. However, uh, as the night progresses and as it gets metabolized, it tends to fracture sleep. So, it mm. especially dream sleep. And so, you know, one of the things that might happen, of course, is that you may have really vivid uh, nightmares. And uh, I know a lot of people are already de- uh, describing, uh, you know, vivid, scary dreams sure. because they're they're already the anxiety. anxious. Mm-hmm. Right. The second thing that happens, of course, is that as time progresses, it's easy to develop tolerance to alcohol, which means you need more and more of the alcohol to get the same effect. And that's not, um, you know, that's something to watch out for. Um, So that would be number two. Number three is that, you know, initially, although although alcohol, initially will increase the amount of deep sleep. You develop tolerance to that, which means that uh, after some time, it starts reducing uh, deep sleep. So, you know, time to be more extra careful, especially since people are extra stressed. Plus, they may not have... uh, Somewhere to drive and go to work the next day. Right? right. And sometimes people keep that in mind and say, well, you know, I won't have that extra drink because I do have to get into a car and drive, um, you know, at 7.30 next morning. But maybe people are, are going to bed later right. and that's no longer as relevant.
0: Right. right. All right. Let's get into some of the things that people may not be thinking about. In terms of our sleep, what are things we might be ignoring that we haven't already talked about that now's a great time to tune into?
1: Well, the the first thing I'll say is that, and this is something I tell everyone that I work with, worrying about your sleep is going to make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) So this, this, this may create a vicious cycle of poor sleep and, and worrying and worrying will disturb your sleep, even if you're not an anxious person. Right. So it's important to understand that waking up at night is normal. So remember we talked um, once when we talked a long time ago, uh, how you sleep in different stages of sleep. And typically, uh, you know, you have light sleep, deep sleep, dream sleep, wake up. It's about a 90 minute cycle. So approximately 90 minutes, everybody wakes up. Most times you turn over, go back to sleep. Um, and, and, And so some people wake up and may worry about it. Others don't remember waking up so worrying about your sleep usually makes sleep worse so instead of start instead of going down the pathway of thinking i will not be able to function tomorrow unless i get back to sleep you know try instead thinking i've been able to function with less sleep before i will get by okay tomorrow and don't reach for the phone don't start reading the news there's nothing good on the news right now
0: Okay, so easy to say, Don't worry, be happy. But <laughs> uh, you're 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 laying there, it's three in the morning, you were gonna get up at five thirty, you're you've heard this episode, you remember Dr. Singh saying, Well, don't don't worry about it, it doesn't help. What do you do instead? Any tips on what you do instead? Are there little okay. things that you can throw in there to say, Okay, instead of thinking about, oh, tomorrow's going to be terrible. Instead of just taking that positive attitude, which is a great starting point, are there any little cues you can give us or things to, to utilize, tools that we could implement when that I does think, happen?
1: Yes, and, and that will, you know, it's not unusual for that to happen. The first question I would ask you is, how do you know it's three o'clock? So, so did you turn around and pick up your phone or check the clock? to see what time it was in the middle of the night. And that's, you know, that itself will wake you up further, right? You still, you look at the clock, you start making calculations. I went to bed at this time. It's, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Wait, if you've
0: been watching me, what's going on here? Oh. Right, right.
1: I I, I, I have, somehow it feels like we've had this discussion before.
0: Oh, man.
1: So, so you, you, you don't want to do that. Okay, So so if you do wake up and you feel like you're wide awake, then you want to instead of because it's easy to start thinking about your next day and that starts uh, or worrying about your sleep you want to substitute other things during that time and you know people can try different things so people can do um you know maybe some sort of breathing exercise in which um have you heard about that 478 i have
0: you yeah go ahead and right. explain it though because i think it's valuable we've talked about it on this show before but it's so helpful, especially right now, so fire right. away. Right,
1: and, and, and so it's, you know, there's no perfect way of doing this. Any time, any way you try it, it's going to work. You basically concentrate on your breathing. You count slowly up to four when you breathe in. Then you hold your breath for seven, and then you slowly breathe out through your mouth, uh, and you count eight. Uh, you're counting mentally. You know, you can increase or decrease those numbers. It doesn't really matter. But you're trying to you're trying to concentrate on your breathing. Um, the other thing you can do is something called uh, progressive muscle relaxation, in which you start with your tippy toes and and you work you know work up. Um, think you know uh, concentrating on muscle groups, and you you know. Um, uh, first tense and then relax and go up that way mm-hmm. uh, you could do other uh, you could do other mental exercises like um, you know counting uh backwards or, you know subtracting three from 100 right um, you know or or you could you could read a book you know a, a relaxing book um, using a book light in which the light is is on the book rather than uh, pointing towards you, mm-hmm. or or you could listen to a podcast, not this one, something in <laughs> a boring, a boring <laughs> podcast. There we listen go. To, or, or or you know or books on tape. Um, you you know anything that stops that cycle of thinking and commanding yourself to sleep, you know, watching for sleep and thinking I'm not able to sleep. Now, a lot of people will say you should and you can do that. You could you could go get up and go to another room and do something quiet and relaxing, not involving electronics. Um, This would be also not a bad time for some sort of spiritual, Mm -hmm. um, you know, exercise, prayers, um, you know, reading a spiritual book, meditation. uh, so that so that uh, the whole point is to not take, to take the anxiety part of the equation out.
0: One of the things I've been doing recently, and you know, I struggle with my own sleep, is I'll go ahead and get up and I'll journal mm-hmm. and I'll have my day timer there. And I, I, in the past, I've kept the day timer out of the equation, but I've found that if I can just put down the things I've been thinking, I need to do this and this needs, oh, and mm-hmm. make sure that just spending that two, three minutes gets that then out of my head. And I usually can then go back to sleep. Where does the, any, any suggestion along those lines, but also do you recommend the journaling? Do you think that's not such a good idea? What, what would be your feedback on that?
1: Actually, there is a, you know, speaking of journaling, there is a, there is definitely a time to daily journal, but maybe do it before you actually fall asleep. So, mm, okay. the, recommend, so the recommendation is uh, if you are overwhelmed with, you know, worries and anxieties in the middle of the night, try to have a time earlier in the evening. So not too close to your bedtime and actually call it your worry time <laughs> in which, in which you sit down with a journal uh, or, or a computer or a laptop And, and you, you know, write down a list of all the things that you are maybe working on the next day, you may be stressed out about. Um, And, and the whole point is to do it, uh, to do it mindfully and do it regularly so that in the middle of the night, if you do wake up, you can at least try saying to yourself, well, you know, I've already, I've already got a plan. Yes. I've already worked on a few things. Now, you know, it's again, you know, it's very easy for you and I to say this. These are habits that you have to slowly form. Sure. And, and, and for a while, Brad, you may be forming these habits without getting an immediate return. Sure. you know I, I And that's so, important to,
0: to stress. These are yes. not just like exercise or eating well. These do not create that immediate boom. Mm-hmm. Everything's wonderful now. It's right. a great point.
1: And I, I know, I, you know, it's. This is not uncommon amongst sleep uh, physicians and therapists when they say that when you're working with, um, you know, when you're giving these solutions, you've never been successful unless the patient or the whoever you're working with doesn't hate you, <laughs> because because these these sound unreasonable, right? Sometimes in the middle of the night. So you know, we're we're trying to. You know, we're asking you to trust yourself and us in in trying to do these on a regular basis to see how what what happens. And the whole point the whole point of this therapy, or the whole point of doing these, is to form a non-judgmental um, and a happy relationship with your sleep. So the ability to be awake at three or four in the morning without getting mad at yourself. Because getting mad at yourself will definitely awaken you further. Sure. So.
0: So just to clarify, this worried time, this worried journaling, whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you call it, you want that to be a couple of hours before bed. You don't want to be going to bed going, okay, I got my whole list of worries. Now let's try to sleep. And is there a general time? And I know everyone's different, but would you say two hours is kind of a good range?
1: I would say three to five. Three to four hours. You, know, okay. you want to do it early. So kind of right at the end ether. of your workday, right.
0: wrap those up, and then close right. that book and and move right. into your relaxing time.
1: Yes. And in fact, you know, now that we're talking about it, maybe set an alarm, uh, you know, two hours prior or three hours prior to your bedtime to remind yourself to do it so that you That's don't get idea. aggravated in the middle of the night, say, oh. You know, I know. I (laughs) I forgot to do that. (laughs) Yes. Got it. (laughs) Very good. All right. So we've
0: talked about in the middle of the night. Let's talk about the rest of the day. You you mentioned before, and and our message here is move, fuel, rest, and connect to the four cornerstones of of health and well-being. You mentioned essentially all of those two are going to help your sleep. Are there any other key daily habits that maybe we haven't talked about, maybe people don't normally think about, that will help both sleep... Quantity and sleep quality.
1: Okay. So always start with the daytime. So especially in today's world, it's really essential to establish a daily schedule, which includes some outdoor activity and daily exercise. And this is, this is essential because creating a schedule will give us some stability in life and help you know, give us some control over our day to day activity. The second thing is daily exposure to outdoor light, which is really essential because it strengthens our circadian system. And so that's something I would suggest that, you know, if you're living in a beautiful place like Colorado, <laughs> that may be easier because <laughs> you just have to open your window. But mm-hmm. if you're living somewhere where there isn't enough outdoor light, then um, then maybe open your window, uh, you know, uh, turn on some bright lights. Now, oh, so
0: pa- pause there just for a second. So yes, you mentioned the window. I, I've, I've always thought, mistakenly, obviously, that you need to be outside in that. Does literally just opening the window and having bright sunshine coming in while you're sitting at your desk or sitting, reading a book somewhere else, does that actually make a difference that, or does the, does the-, the glass block the valuable components there?
1: No, no, that that does make a difference. Of course, it'd be oh. best if you stopped out, if you stepped outdoors. But many times when people have, you know, and uh, they're they're working, they're working that they may be tethered to their desk, and and if you are, you know, if you can't really move, you don't have time to step outside. Then a window becomes really really valuable. Again, I'll say if you're in a habit of taking naps, especially during these days. If you're working from home, do not exceed 25 to 35 minutes. Because if you take if the nap's too long, um, you're not going to sleep at night. Uh, you know you want to keep up. Definitely, we sh- you need to keep up with your social contacts. It's remember it's physical distancing, not social distancing. Yes. So pick up the phone, video chat, speak with others as this is essential for us, Uh, you know, all the times, Brad, that we've complained about how technology makes us lonely, let's utilize it to share, you know, to, to actually reach out to others Yeah, and, you know, share your concern with others. Don't bottle it up. Now at night, um, again, it's very essential and this doesn't, advice doesn't change. You know, you want to establish a regular bedtime and waking up time. And of Mm. course now, now we may have the luxury of, sleeping more aligned to our circadian clock so so you want to also build a good winding down schedule and you know we many times we use alarm clocks in the morning but maybe it's time that we we had an alarm clock that told us that now you know there are 35 to 45 minutes till we have to go to bed so maybe you know a hot bath stretching exercises again meditation prayer Reading a book, listening to a book or a podcast, um, all of things could be part of your winding down schedule. And note, playing video games or checking social media is not winding down; it's a distraction. And uh, you know there are some don'ts, like uh, and we've, we've we've touched on that. You know, avoid excessive alcohol ingestion two to three hours before bedtime. Do not you know smoke or chew tobacco; it's a stimulant. Avoid caffeine too close to your bedtime. Um, and that includes you know sodas, tea, chocolate, avoid heavy, spicy sugary foods, um, maybe a light snack, and then keep your bedroom cold and dark mm-hmm. um, well well ventilated, block out all distracting noises, um, eliminate uh light and and of course, uh reserve your bedroom for sleep and sex mm-hmm. uh because you you know you don't want to start working. Yeah, and doing other things in your bedroom, because then that's what you associate your bedroom with. Right, right.
0: All right, we've got a lot of folks out there right now. Their kids are on little different schedules than they're used to. Mm-hmm. Any tips that could make a difference in that arena?
1: Okay, so that's a very good question. I have three teenagers at home right now. <laughs> yes, yes. You so you're ask. really a pro. <laughs> so so here's the thing. That's a good question, because yes, we know teenage and young adults do have a tendency to be a night owl. But again, don't underestimate the power of artificial light here. And I, you know, it's always a good idea to look, to remind people of that study. It was done, um, it it was it was actually done in Colorado in which they took folks, um, uh, they, took, they took a week long camping trip. And. And so with no artificial light. So after the study, all the participants spent uh, because they spent more time exposed to natural light and less time to artificial light, researchers they found that their bed times and wake up times had shifted. Mm. So they were mo- said they're moving up uh to two hours earlier. So the night owls in the group showed the the greater shifts in the timing of their right, right, right internal mm. clocks. So night owls started looking more similar to earlier morning types. In other words, night owls were keeping earlier to bed and early to rise schedule. And they were now saying they were feeling alert during the day. And this was um, in, yeah, this was a week long camping um, in the Colorado Rocky mountains in July.
0: So there, there is a, a difference between the night owls and the larks, as you mentioned before, but, there is. but habit still drives a significant yes, part of that. Right.
1: Right. right. So, so, so remember, your circadian clock is synchronized on a daily basis okay. by exposure or um, you know avoidance of light, and so. You know, your circadian, so so, so somebody who's, so my son who is a night owl, his circadian, the timing may be slightly longer, which makes him a night owl versus me. But it's also, it's also what he's doing right up to his bedtime. So if he's going to, you know, play a video game or, um, you know, um, uh, be on the computer right up to the time he's going to go to bed, well, there, you know, light, artificial light is going to suppress melatonin and so so you know this is nothing this is not new it's so so again having that 45 to 90 minutes of no electronics video games etc uh is is going to be very useful and remember parents are also going to bed a little later right now right so so if you take if you if we do both these things if we try to have or request our teenagers to not be on the computers or um, electronics very close to their bed times. And since we are ourselves going to bed slightly late, I think that there may be a happy medium here.
0: Sure. L- let's talk, you mentioned a couple of tools here. Let's talk about a couple of tools. So the blue light blocking glasses, the artificial light machines that you can get, is, is there a role for those? For example, your son playing the video games, if he were to wear those blocking glasses, would that be helpful? Or is that more just barely at the margin. And then by the same token for the artificial light that you can buy obviously that can help you shift your circadian but is there help in using that let's say late morning at your in your office when you're not able to get outside until later in the afternoon.
1: Okay. So so in you know in answer to that question it really depends on a couple of things. Number one is that there is a difference Brad between there's individual difference to the way Uh, individual clocks respond to light. So there's a a difference between how much lux of light you need to shift somebody's clock. And if you're very sensitive, you know, even 30 lux will do it. If you're not as sensitive, you might need a a bigger, you know, a larger amount of lux of light. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The second thing to keep in mind is how interactive is this device that you're interacting with. Right? So I would say, I would say there is definitely there is a role for uh, you know blue light blocking glasses because if they're not, if if somebody not uh, if they still want to work on their computer then then there is a chance that some of the light uh, gets d- does get diminished if you're using these block uh, these glasses. However, uh, you know if you're playing video games. Uh, you know i think it'll be it would be more effective in my son's case if he was say do, reading a textbook versus playing a sure. video game
0: just the you mental know, aspect
1: a, yes yes so that that should also would also play a role
0: all right well any other kind of final wrap up things that could make a difference right now with people trying to enhance their sleep things that we haven't chatted about up to this point anything that we've missed
1: well i you know i The one thing I want to say, and, you know, I have to say this is deeply personal, you know, understanding the stages of grief is important. And it's also remember to remember that the stages of grief are not linear. They can happen in any Mm. order. So, you know, it's, so it's not a map, but it's, it's, it provides us with goalposts. So for example, in, in today's world, you know, there can be denial in which you say, you know, we say, well, this virus won't affect us. Mm -hmm. It was, it's in China, it's Mm -hmm. far away. There can be anger. You know, you can be mad. My my conference got canceled. You're taking away my activities. Then there's bargaining, you know, okay, I will social distance for a couple of weeks so that everything gets better. And of course there's sadness because we don't know where this will end. And then finally there's acceptance that this is happening And now I have to figure out how to proceed. And like I said, any of these stages can happen in different times of the day, the same day. So, you know, acceptance, as you can imagine, is where the power is going to lie. And I find that if we can find control, if, you know, if we can control the things we can control, like I will wash my hands. I can keep a safe distance. I can learn to work from home. I can build a new daytime routine, even though I'm at home and my kids think uh, that they can call me whenever they're hungry. (laughs) Uh, You know, I can FaceTime my parents who live far away. I can choose not to check the news every few minutes. You know, I can make sure that I'll make time for bed tonight. I can make sure that I'll try, I won't drink that second cup of coffee in the afternoon, or I will avoid, um, you know, drinking an extra glass of wine. I think, I think that's something we can all strive for. And I think that's where, it's, that's where we, sh- we should at least try on a daily basis.
0: Powerful. What a great way to wrap up. Dr. Singh, it's so good to have you back. Your episode is still one of our most popular we've ever had. There's a good reason for that. And uh, it's just a joy to, joy to have you on the other end of the mic.
1: Thank you so much. Um, thank you for giving me a platform to speak.
0: Plenty of application points, weren't there? We're grateful to Dr. Meeta Singh for insights. You can follow her on Twitter at Mita. that's M-E-E-T-A Singh, S-I-N-G-H-M-D. Thanks for tuning in to the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. Next week's guest is best-selling author and stoicism guru, Donald Robertson. We had a lot of fun with our discussion. We also tapped into some ways to enhance our approach to life, no matter what it is that we're facing right now. As always, if you ever have questions related to health and wellness coaching, whether how it fits into your own career pursuits or as a way to enhance your organization's employee wellness program, reach out to us. Emails, results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or our website, catalystcoachinginstitute.com. This is Dr. Bradford Cooper signing off. Make it a great rest of your day and I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness and Performance Coaching Podcast or maybe over at the YouTube Coaching Channel at youtube.com slash coaching channel.